0: Evening Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio. Six
1: Nations Special. Good evening and welcome to this week's episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast live from London offices of QBE Business Insurance. We've an amazing lineup and. Most amazingly, Sarah Elgin is back with us. Two
2: amazings in one sentence.
1: I know. It's nice to have you back.
2: Thanks for having me back. you okay?
1: I'm very well, thank you. Good.
2: We're lucky for you guys. It's not just us two that are here tonight. That would be very boring. Um, We're also joined by Steve Corden from the Evening Standard. Hey, Steve.
1: Hello, Sarah.
2: And our very special guest this week is a supremely talented rugby player who's won pretty much everything, actually, there is to win in the game. Um, So much, I'm going to have to read them all out. She's represented England in both the 15s and 7s game won a world cup in 2014 captain team gb at the rio olympics and a bronze medal at the commonwealth games been named world player of the year in 2019 i haven't finished yet not to mention the numerous six nations and grand slam titles and 108 caps to her name she's also the red roses top point scorer of all time it's who else emily scarrett hi emily hello (laughs) that was some introduction (laughs) that was a massive introduction thank you for that i'm actually out of breath Um, Okay so lovely to have you here now before we get to uh, talk about rugby we like to kind of find out what everyone's been up to this week Steve what have you been doing?
0: Snow, boilers, don't go together, do they? No, this morning, managed to build some... um, How
2: to lose the audience in one (laughs) sentence. I know, I know,
0: I know. It started well, started well. Some snowmen in the garden with the kids, but then went back inside and the boiler wasn't working. Oh, dear. The one thing to do, make sure you get a contract. My wife said to me, have you sorted that contract out yet? Yes, 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 I'll do it. Um, But I hadn't done it and now we've got a big bill. And so it's you're not all going home tonight, do you? No. So if anybody wants to come for some more drinks later on, I think um, <laughs> I'm probably better off going home when she's gone to bed. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there was that, that. And then, obviously, I'm still recovering from the football result of the weekend. I know we're here to talk about rugby, but I'm still sore about that one. 7 nil Are
2: you a my new supporter? Yes. i yes. yes. So
0: I've had all manner of jokes about 7. I didn't know there was that many. 7-Up, he's now called Eric Sevenhag, Yeah, there's, there's, there's more of them, but uh, it's... It's been a tough week. Lawrence, all right, because he's got two wins on the
1: bounce now. I guess what you've told them is that you're seven points ahead of Liverpool at the moment in the league, aren't you, really? That's the best That's way to... seven, I forgot, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yes, I'm a Chelsea fan, but we shall oh. uh, move on.
2: What have you been doing then, Lawrence? Uh, well,
1: I was working back on BT Sport the weekend, so...
2: Oh, you graced us with your presence, <sighs> did you? <laughs> I did, yes. Didn't have anything else to do. I'm still
1: recovering, actually. <laughs> I, I was uh, lucky enough to see uh, the uh, big game, 14, at uh, Twickenham, which I thought was an outstanding game. Marcus Smith promptly putting the onus back on Steve Borthwick. It's just an amazing performance from a young man, wasn't it? You know, he's good. obviously picked against Scotland, put on the bench against Italy, and then given one minute against Wales. Then he's told to go back to his club and, and show us what you can do, and I think he's emphatically done that, so very impressed. Yeah,
0: Did you get one choice. of those uh, shirts that Sister Bliss had on? That was amazing, wasn't I it? I want one of those. They were awesome.
1: Spark, sparkly, sparkly.
2: Yeah, what Lawrence hasn't told you as well, almost as interesting as Steve Boyler's story, uh, is that he went to see the hygienist this week.
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> honestly, I've not got a breath problem or anything. Don't worry about that. <laughs> How was that for you? <laughs> I went to get my... No, I went to have my teeth cleaned. Yeah, perfect.
2: Lovely, okay. So that was a really interesting she's, week you had. She's South African
1: and she, she bullied me, basically, okay. like most of her rugby players, really.
2: That sounds interesting, actually. Okay, so boiler hygienist. And this one here, you've been somewhere very special today, Emily. Slightly more interesting than visiting the dentist. Where have you been? Yeah, I've been to Buckingham Palace. I know. Ooh. Yeah.
3: To do what? So obviously International Women's Day, we'd already been lined up, a few of us that are injured at the moment, to go and do a bit at Twickenham for the staff, for their inclusion and diversity, all of that sort of stuff. So there was me and two other players, and then my manager called me last week and was like, oh, we've been invited to Buckingham Palace, so we're going to re-divert you. We'll keep the other two there, but we're going to redivert you to Buckingham Palace. <laughs> so those two were absolutely fuming that they had to still go <laughs> and yeah, talk Would to you the meet? RFU staff. So uh, Camilla was there, there was myself and Vicky Cornborough, saw the lady from Antiques Roadshow, Kuna Bruce. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. saw her. And the canapes were fantastic. (laughs) So it was, yeah, a nice afternoon. How was your curtsy? It wasn't great. No, it wasn't great. Did you speak to Camilla? Yeah. Was she like... Yeah, yeah, she was all right. She's (laughs) tiny. She's tiny. So, and obviously... busy room she's quite softly spoken so if i'm honest i couldn't really hear a huge amount of what she was saying but um she was all right i think she was loving rugby yeah that's good the vibe
2: <laughs> good so there you go then emily's had a slightly more interesting week than you
1: well, i remember going to the palace years ago obviously um uh, i think it was post 2003 and um we were invited to tea with the queen which was amazing and this is a true story although it gets sort of slightly elaborated on the, uh, one of the servants, servicemen, went to Mark Regan and he said, um, Earl Grey, sir, Mark Regan being from Bristol, a bit of a thick hooker, he said, Earl Grey, sir, he goes, no, Mark Regan's my name. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Is that actually true?
1: It's That's one of
2: the best stories I've ever heard <laughs> yeah. say.
1: Well, thank you very much. <laughs> it's true, yes.
2: Right, let's move on quickly then. Uh, put some rugby questions to our guests, shall we, Lawrence?
1: Uh, yes, we will. Um, Emily We've obviously heard about your career, Uh, we're going to look forward to the women's Six Nations but I think it would be remiss of us if we didn't go back to the World Cup in New Zealand because obviously you 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 were going there as favourites I guess, there was only inevitably going to be, I mean if everything went to plan you you looked like you were going to play New Zealand in the final, that's exactly what happened Um, and it was I guess just one decision, really, that changed the outcome of the game, to be honest. It was that close. This obviously doesn't make you feel any better about it, but <laughs> when you reflect yeah, on it, when you, well, you. I heard the other day, I mean, you've won a World Cup, so th- there is a slight difference when you obviously feel very sad about it because you'd like to win another one but when you get in the changing room and you get home you kind of go well it's not the end of the world but I suppose it just feels like it I mean what what was it like out there and could you have done anything differently do you think
3: I think first of all that the whole tournament was unbelievable I think going to New Zealand we obviously knew the tradition that rugby has down there and you know how well sought after it is etc but the, they haven't really got a hold of the women's game yet over there Um, So it was kind of a bit of an unknown in terms of the tournament, the locations of of some of the games. We were up in Fangare, which is rural, to say the least. But it was unbelievable. The attendances were fantastic. The quality of rugby was brilliant. And then obviously making the final. um, And we actually, we didn't warm up out on the pitch. We warmed up out on the cricket pitch outside the stadium. So we had no idea what the stadium looked like um, and it wasn't until we literally walked out for the anthems that we realized it was packed full of 44,000 pretty much 44,000 Kiwis and probably 30 of our friends and family but it was an unbelievable atmosphere obviously we did go to there to win it so the overwhelming feeling is absolutely gutted that we we fell short by you know a score in the final red card obviously didn't help but actually we, we still could have won the game without that the line out at the end again how well our la- driving line out had gone and all the, the press that it had got in terms of England have got nothing else than a driving line out and then that's the thing that unfortunately doesn't quite get us over the line at the end was tough but um, yeah reflect on it two different ways gutted but what a tournament
2: I often wonder what a, what a night after a, a final is like because it's, it's pretty obvious to say if you've won a final be it a World Cup you final remember. it's pretty you exciting remember. I'm not even going to go there with him <laughs> to ask him what a what a night after a final is like you don't know what you're going to get it's motivation but, uh, <laughs> isn't it really that's what the
1: motivation is but
2: only I mean, what was that night like because obviously you've got the elation of getting to a final and, and but then the the bitter disappointment of coming so close. So what do you do after after a game like that?
3: Win or lose on the booze, isn't it? yeah, look, it's hard, um, but I think it's really important. You know, we were so lucky that we had so many friends and family out there. So what happened was everybody all our friends and family had gone to a I can't remember the name of the pub, but a pub in Auckland and we just went and joined them and it was just basically an English pub. There were a couple of Kiwis that I think wondered what on earth was going on in there. But it was just us and it was a nice opportunity. If you wanted to sit and mope in the corner, you could do that. If you wanted to have a dance and, and get amongst it, you could do that. So everybody reacts differently to things like that and inevitably the weeks after also are the tough ones.
1: I know you won't say this, but England, for those of who didn't watch the final, England got a red card and they were down to 14. New Zealand should have had a red card in the second half. No doubt about that. Should have been fourteen apiece, and I do think that home advantage—that's kind of the decisions that go your way—and I guess that will give you even more motivation to try and make maybe even a, maybe even another World Cup.
3: Yeah, we host in 2025, which is—I mean, I'm 33. I'm kind of on that very close borderline of of whether we're looking at retirement or looking at continuing to play. But I think that opportunity is a hell of an opportunity. I played in 2010 when we hosted. Um, Obviously, the growth of the game then, it it wasn't great, but it was unbelievable. So I can only imagine what 2025 is going to be like.
0: You've also got the challenge at the moment of being injured, as Sarah mentioned. We were swapping stories earlier about prolapse discs. (laughs) Do you want (laughs) to share with everybody exactly what you've done and why you're not playing at the moment? It's another
3: good one, yeah. um, Unfortunately, yeah, I've got a a neck issue at the moment, which is keeping me out. It's a frustrating one because it doesn't have a timeline attached to it, so it's not like rest for six weeks, six months and it'll be fine. It's a very much an unknown could be better tomorrow could take months and months so frustrating one to get your head around um, obviously the girls going into the Six Nations very shortly my favourite time of the year I love playing in that competition so gutted not to be there but hopefully we'll still be in and amongst it
0: you'll be there in some capacity though will you are you going to be coaching is that <laughs> is that part of the plan or are, you, or are you carrying the water this
3: coaching bit has got blown up I'm not going to oh, lie yeah. okay. so basically myself and Abby Ward who's pregnant we're part of the leadership group normally and we express you know if we if they want to keep us around and, and be involved with some bits then we're more than happy to do that get involved And then everybody has just ran with that, went into uh, camp on Monday and all the girls were like, hey, coach, all right, (laughs) boss, what are we doing, gaffer? And I was just like, come on. Um, So we're just just chipping in, basically, like we normally would, but without obviously being able to do the bit on the field as well.
0: Well, Simon Middleton's going after the Six Nations, so (laughs) they'll be looking for somebody to take over
1: There's an opening.
3: See how that net
2: goes. Do you fancy that? (laughs) Not right right now. now. Not right now, (laughs) no, 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 not
1: right (laughs) now. Still playing. uh, Your team, the England team, the Six Nations, kicks off, I think England play Scotland, don't they, on the 25th of March. I think last season's tournament saw a real growth in the game, a you know, new title sponsor, a new broadcast deal. Do you feel like it's uh, a, a bit of a moment in time with the World Cup as well, that the women's game has gone to another level in terms of its sort of general appeal? And
0: Just going to say that game's actually sold out today. So oh, it's, Fantastic. Yeah,
1: it's sold out. Well, they might see an England team beat Scotland as well, which would be nice, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> Fact. <laughs>
3: Um, Yes, in answer to your question, I think, you know, last Six Nations, we broke a record every time we we're at home in terms of attendances and stuff like that, um, which is brilliant. And we want to, we'll keep doing that, you know, selling out Newcastle, the Twickenham game, 30 odd, 35, 40,000 tickets sold already. And hopefully that will continue to grow because that could culminate in basically the Six Nations final if we get that far and, yeah, it'd be unbelievable.
1: Be amazing. So give us, go on and give us a couple of names of some, some, stars of the women's game who do we look out for
3: i think marley packer is always a good go-to so she's going to be co- i love watching her play. and talk she's if she she's had amazing. a re- she'd be brilliant if she'd be her own netflix series she if she had, had a red mic on yeah. it would be a, yeah it'd be amazing you'd probably have to censor 75 <laughs> <75% laughs> percent of now, it yeah. but yeah um so she's she's going to be brilliant co-captain new role for her but she always leads from the front she's an absolute tyrant um and then probably someone like holly acherson who's probably going to step into that 10 role yesterday at training she was doing non-contact so she had the magic pink bib on which we all want to have at some <laughs> point um so non-contact and she was just tearing up she was on the side with less attackers but it was just little kick there pass there delay ball etc so yeah hopefully she can light up
2: Steve's already mentioned that Simon Milton's stepping down. I mean, he's achieved some fantastic things with you guys. If you're writing his leaving cards, <laughs> what's the message you put on it? <laughs> um,
3: Give me a job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think like, for me personally, a massive thank you. He's been a part of the squad since 2014, might have even been 2013. I genuinely think we won the World Cup in 2014 because of him. Yeah, he wasn't in the head coach role then. Um, and that's not to, you know... What, why? The coach's what what did he the bring Um At that point, he just brought, a, a, one, a different voice, but two, a, a level of detail that we didn't have. The game was in a very different place. Um, and he, he brought in lots of new things and, and you know, really made us raise our game. Um so a massive thank you. He he went on to coach Sevens and by his own admission he's definitely not a Sevens coach, nor was I a Sevens player, but we all gave it a go anyway. Um <laughs> yeah, he's done a he's done a huge amount. Um I'm really glad that he's able to go out on his own terms. I think there'd be a, if I could frame it and write it properly and have a bit of thought, I'd put some swear words in there as well because <laughs> he's not short of having a bit of an F and Jeff, but yeah, it's good bloke. You'll miss him. Yeah.
0: Does it matter if the women are coached by a man or a woman? Would you rather have a woman in charge?
3: I'd rather have a woman if she's the right person for the job. Personally, now, with this opportunity, both Scott and Mids leaving, so potential backs, coach, head coach, attack coach, whatever role they decide to come in at, I want to be coached by the best Cause people. Because it was only
0: when the women's football team changed to a female coach that they actually had success. I mean, Phil Neville was a disaster. I mean, you look at and then they changed the coach, and then they won the Euros, so... <laughs>
3: Yeah, look, I think, as I say, from a rugby point of view, I want to be coached by the best people that know know their stuff. I think within your squad and your staffing group, you need women in a women's sport. You do. And probably even in a men's team, you probably need women in, in that stuff. I group. think they
1: should definitely... Ha- if the woman is not the head coach, then she should definitely be, have a role to play because it just makes sense. And actually, the development of any coach tends to come from from being around the setup. So, yeah, I think it's... Uh, it's an interesting one and moving on to that the the Lions has been talked about as you know the, maybe the the women's game having a, a British and Irish Lions I'm, I'm not quite sure where they're at with that I think they are they, they had, the, quite,
2: they had the survey well, I think
1: it? it's moving forward yeah, isn't it yeah it is definitely yeah, yeah. but yeah. Whether, it fol- studies, w- whether it yeah. follows the same kind of format or itinerary as the men's is another subject but I mean I guess that would be motivation to carry on playing for a bit longer yeah, wouldn't l- it a
2: little bit yeah. <laughs> but is that the best it's a difficult question is, it? is that the best way to move the game forward or is there more that needs to be done in terms of I don't know investment and support maybe before that happens
3: I think there's there's more things to move the game forward before that. Okay. However, selfishly and yeah. from an international's point of view, let's do Loud. that first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it um, next year. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, look, there's loads we could do it. Uh, kind of a grassroots level, spreading the game. Big issue at the moment with no northern teams represented other than Sale. Things like that. There's There's definite strides that could be made, but Yeah, I guess selfishly to have a Lions team and as rugby traditionalists as well, people connect with the Lions, don't they? Um, So to have an opportunity to to do that would be... Yeah, amazing. But let's make it happen now. Quicker.
2: <laughs> Quicker. <The> time's <laughs> running
3: out. two years. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> quick.
2: Okay, so we are all very much looking forward to the Women's Six Nations. But before then, we've got two more rounds of the men's tournament uh, to enjoy. So we'll have a, a quick look at um, the weekend's games. Lawrence, starting with England-France. 18 years since France I won uh, at Twickenham.
1: I know That's mad, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It's 2005.
2: Have England got enough this year well, to hold that record?
1: In mean, France, uh, obviously everyone's looked at their performances in the tournament and they're a little bit off somewhere. There's something not quite right, whether they're a bit fatigued, not quite sure. This is a team that have only lost once in the last 18 months, really. They've beaten New Zealand, they've beaten pretty much everyone and they lost to a very good Ireland side, let's be honest. And they lost over in Dublin, the same team they beat a little while ago. But... They don't quite look at the races at the moment, France, not quite sure. Sean Edwards, as as I know very well, as many of you will know, will be um, having kittens, you know, because they're conceding a lot of tries, uh, which is most unlike them.
2: What's his French like?
1: Well, it's sort of it's sort of Wiganese, isn't it? Really? Oh,
2: okay. So he didn't speak French. I
1: take no. it. Wasps, well, I think he, did he? no, no. Well, not no. to you,
2: obviously.
3: But I mean,
1: no, like. no. He didn't speak. He didn't speak. He didn't speak English, to be honest with yeah, you. Okay. <laughs> but what he what he is able to do is he's able to communicate the point that he's making. You know, a lot of coaches come in and there's a lot of sort of waffle. If I'm honest with you, you know, what he says is things that actually happen on the field. You know, he teaches you things that are relevant to the game, and he tells you in a very direct manner, so you are under no illusions very sharp. He coaches the team, but he also individually improves you as a player. So, whenever I look at the teams now, I mean, France could easily lose this game against England, because they haven't won at Twickenham since 2005, but if I'm in the French team, and we have got genuine aspirations of winning the World Cup in our own country, in less than six months, or whatever it is, you've got to win this game, really, haven't you? You're the second best side in the world, you probably are not far off being the best side in the world, you should really be able to go to Twickenham, and beat an understrength Rebuilding England team whether that happens or not they've still got Dupont they've still got all these amazing players so you know it's going to be fascinating to see what, what the outcome is they're just being very French aren't
0: they I mean that's, that's classic classic well, France. Well, no, no but I don't
1: think it is because they've only lost one game in 18 months they've beaten everyone so you know it's not a question of I just think they're a little bit they're a little bit fatigued really and uh, I think it shows that got, they haven't got their first-choice props because they're both suspended. So there's still some discipline issues in the French. You know, you can wind them up. You can get under their skin a little bit. So it's Fatigued.
2: Uh, That's the only actual French word I remember from French lessons. Je suis très fatigué. Uh, yeah.
1: You are very you know good at French, yeah.
2: I can do the riz, but, <laughs> yeah, anyway. Right, OK, moving on. Uh, Marcus Smith, Steve... Um, he was phenomenal on Saturday and he just seems to kind of take any news, any pressure just in his stride, doesn't he? And, and to prove what he proved on Saturday after being released from the squad last week was, was pretty special.
0: It was. It was amazing. I mean, I, I'd be interested at, at the audience, hands up, who would start
1: Marcus Smith at the weekend.
2: Oh, that's like mm, a lot. That's like it's a quite half.
1: a lot. When you look at the stats, Marcus Smith is the best running fly half that we have. He scored seven tries in 17 tests. George Ford is the best kicker of the ball, without a shadow of a doubt. And Owen Farrell is probably the best passer of the ball, believe it or not. If you combine all three of them together, you'd have the perfect fly half that called Johnny Sexton that plays for Ireland <laughs> at the moment. But <laughs> genuinely, I mean, this is only a personal point of view, I think Owen Farrell is a far better player than we give him credit for. Well, I watch him for Saracens week in, week out there's a lot more in his game than we're seeing for England. So if I'm a coach for England now, yeah. I'm saying, and if I'm Owen Farrell, I'm saying, how do I un- unlock that potential? Because Marcus Smith unlocks that potential every week and he seems to really want to go for it. And I think Owen Farrell has more in him than we give him credit for. So England won't be an easy watch for the next year and a half, two years. I mean, they won't be, you know. Leicester won the title last year under Steve Borthwick, but it weren't easy on the eye particularly. Um, that was
3: beautiful rugby, Lawrence. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: I mean, I am the Antichrist in Leicester, to be honest with you. But but no, genuinely, I just think you don't have that much quick ball at international level. You know, Marcus Smith is a player that likes to come onto the ball quite, you know, and and run that way. And as a back row forward, honestly, I'd be really excited about playing against Marcus Smith. If he you if you, if you
0: see Johnny at the weekend, Johnny Wilkinson, you have to ask him about what he was wearing. Did you see the pictures of him? training? in tra- 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 he looked like he got out of bed with his pyjamas on. Who are you talking about? Johnny Wilkinson. I he likes, he likes
2: p- an oversized, doesn't
3: he? Oh
0: no, the the baggy <laughs> pants that he had on—they were horrendous.
2: Laura <laughs> shouldn't be asking anyone about fashion, Steve. Let's oh, just leave well, that. There well, there. Well.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. The Evening Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio. Six Nations Special.
2: I'm not sure why I want to go on to the next subject, actually. What is
1: the next subject? The
2: next subject is Wales. Hence ah, why I don't want to be ah. talking about it. Wales. Um, but yeah, so Wales are obviously off to Rome. Both teams desperately. Need a win. How do you see that going? Well,
1: Wales have had, a, I mean, they've had a really, really interesting tournament. New coach, obviously Gatland. You know, he, I don't know whether he knew genuinely when he resigned. You know, whether there was that many problems in in the whole region. But I mean, if you're Yian Evans, who's just taken over as the chairman of Welsh Rugby, he's having a nightmare, isn't he? Poor bloke. He's probably thinking, I took over. You know, and he's just one of the great men of rugby, one of the great, great one. people. He's had a, the, obviously the whole issue around the culture of, of the Wru. Just when he sort of thought that he was getting the, coming to terms with that, he's then you know got players going on strike, etc., etc. So tough week. I thought they did quite well against England. I thought they might have won that game, but England had enough to beat them. I genuinely think that they'll go to Italy and win. Do
2: you? I do. I mean, you
1: have to. I mean, if you're Alan wynne Jones. You know, you've achieved so much in your career. If you're Justin Tipper, these are, these are great, great players, great names of rugby, can't lose to Italy. I mean, if you do, pick a map and choose which island you want to exile yourself to, <laughs> right, because you're not coming home, simple as that. I mean, that would be my attitude. So, lads, if we, don't, if we lose, we're not going back to Wales. I mean, simple as. So. But the
2: thing is, though, I genuinely think that we're going there as underdogs, like... Yeah, Am I was I say, on, on that?
0: the flip side, the Italians, for all the progress that they've made in the Six
1: Nations, they've got to win this yeah, game. Yeah, they right? are. But I just think, the, you know, the Kieran Crowley is sort of almost... Every Italian coach has gone in there, and it's always been a game plan around damage limitation, box kick, keep it simple, set piece. What he's done is taken them in the other way. We're not going to win the game, so let's just not lose trying, you know. So he, they really go for it. I mean, you can't play like that at international level all the time. You know, their exit strategies, when they kick off, they're just running everything. You know, because if you make mistakes like they did against Ireland, all the four tries that Ireland scored all came from Italian mistakes in their own half. So, yes, they can win. Unfortunately, the superstar fullback's backs out injured for the rest of the uh, campaign, but... Uh I think Wales will win.
2: But the thing is, that what I think is great about Italian rugby at the moment, like a few years ago, I mean, like Sam Warburton's come out, hasn't he? And he apologised for saying a few years ago that Italy should be checked out of the Six Nations. And, and look where they are now. I mean, that's progress.
3: Yeah, 100%. Because they were dull, weren't they, a couple of years ago? Oh. You didn't want to watch that game. You knew the result of it, etc. Whereas now, it's probably the team you tune in to watch because they're exciting. Kapowats are obviously out-injured, which is a huge shame. Um, But they are the team you want to watch. They're the kind of Marcus Smith-Harlequins international equivalent at the moment. I love watching them play. I back them against Wales. Sorry. (laughs) I think, why not? At home in Rome, and as you say, they probably... They almost need to win inadvertently to... to do you, know, do it you know, know what they really need? is They ability. need to be
1: given a Rugby World Cup. We've had one in Japan. We're going to have one in America in 2032. Imagine a Rugby World... I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone in this room would go, yeah, I'm going to Italy for that. Um, because it's so much more than just about the rugby, isn't it? So uh, I think, you know, that what they've realised is that they're not going to compete with football in Italy. They've streamlined their selection. So they've focused on the schools that actually play rugby and they've become far more narrow about their selection. A bit like Australian Rugby Union. And it's starting to pay off, and they've got young kids, they're Canali, they're Captain Negri, superstar players who have got that belief that they can actually beat anyone.
2: We've literally spoken two minutes about England about ten minutes about Italy, but no, well, no that's not I'm saying. Because they're more exciting. I mean, well, we yeah, well, that's, that's my point. OK, let's move on to Scotland, I know that's Ireland. from Wales, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Thank you. Uh, OK, let's talk Scotland, Ireland then, Steve. Um, it's the final game of the weekend. It's in Murrayfield. Scotland looking to bag a first triple crown since 1990. Have they got it in them to beat this island team?
0: No, they haven't. And if you look... Uh, sorry if there's any Scots in the house. Um, if you look at the players at Ireland have got Back as well, you know the frontline players are all returning, and I just think that just makes it even harder for Scotland to eat, to get something out of the game. The Irish are on a roll at the moment, and the players that they've they've now bringing back in just makes them even stronger. Um, it's interesting the niggle that there is between the Irish and the Scots, though. I didn't I didn't realise how how bad it was. It dates back years. I was listening to it earlier on, but almost as bad as the hatred of the English but uh, it's it's got a bit of niggle to it this game but I just can't see anything but an island anyone going
2: to be at Ireland for you
3: no but I do love the thought of Finn Russell being an underdog like and just <laughs> how he will approach that game and potentially the bag of tricks the further bag of tris- tricks we may see in that trying to win a game that no one's backing them for and yeah. he's
2: going to be in the premiership next year
1: he is yeah I mean it's fascinating I mean it, the coach that Bath have got, I mean, he's not renowned for playing that type of game. So I can't believe he was responsible for recruiting Finn Russell. But interesting to see who lasts longer there, really. But there we go. Um, I just, I, f- I feel that Ireland, again, you're the number one side in the world. And you're going to a World Cup to genuinely win it for the first time. You've got to be able to go to Scotland and close out a game. And yes, they've got Finn Russell. And yes, he you know, does things that can really turn a game. But Ireland have got a lot of world-class players. Caelan Doris is just off the charts good at the moment. as number eight. Tigre Furlong back. Johnny Sexton. You know, Ring Rose. There's, there's a lot of quality in that side. I think if you were picking a World 15, about a third of that team would be Irish at the moment. And they, they all football. had
0: a weekend off and Finn Russell didn't. So it's kind of that, that crazy anomaly. So there is a chance. Play. I mean, look,
1: you know, you get a red card in the first few minutes of the game. Anything can happen now. So, But I'd, I'd back Ireland to win.
3: Do you know what I love about Ireland at the moment? Is that... Penalty moves, slow tap penalty moves from five metres out. Best team in the world, and yet we're still pulling... The wall and the flick behind the back, stuff like that. Reinventing that, Lens to do it, Lowe's, don't they? Yeah. The old school, play, the old school yeah. playground yeah, practice ones. Yeah. You know? They're not just like we're best in the world. We do this, this, this. They're
2: actually got a bit yeah. bit about them, and the continuity they've got from the club game that goes into the international.
3: And system. they've
1: got an amazing oh. defence coach as well. Um,
2: yeah, they have. He's pretty handsome. Okay, um, it's hard to so win in, bonus in for winning <laughs> the Grand
1: Slam, isn't it, sir?
2: <laughs> He's my husband, by the way. I'm just not <laughs> like falling over some random defence coach. coach. Okay, uh, we are predicting wins for uh, England.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I really do. England, always. Okay. France.
2: Okay. Wow. Okay. Um... Sorry,
1: Law. Wales Wales. Wales. and Ireland. Wales and Ireland for me. Uh, Italy.
2: Uh, Italy Italy. and Ireland. And Ireland. Okay.
1: Nice.
2: Okay. So, um, questions for you guys, the audience. If you can think of some shortly. But Emily, you're going to get tackled by Lawrence.
1: Tackled. Um, We always ask everyone these questions. What's your full name, please?
3: Emily Beth Scarrett.
1: Emily Beth Scarlett. Not Bethany. It's a Beth. pretty, pretty yeah. name, is it? <laughs> what did you have, or what do you have for breakfast as a current playing professional rugby player?
3: I had two poached eggs on one slice of marmited toast.
2: Eggs and marmite.
3: Very good. Is it? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Match. And marmite. Emily for that. Yeah. For
1: that. Yeah. If you like breakfast. marmite,
3: you've got to have eggs and marmite. Did you, get, did you get did you get any that. food
0: at the palace when you were there or not?
3: Yeah, I got stuck into the canopies. You could tell the who the rugby players were and who <laughs> you were. The rugby <laughs> players. There was no marmite at the palace, <laughs> yeah, that's for sure.
1: What is the best advice that you've ever been given, either inside or outside of rugby?
3: I don't know whether it's a direct piece of advice, but I think my family've always instilled in me like, working hard, farming family, it's always been about working hard, making the most out of anything that you've, you've been given. I think that's one of the biggest things I'm trying to do always is just fulfil the potential that I think I've been given.
1: Good, solid advice. Would you ever
0: go back I to have. the farm? Your brother works there, doesn't he? Would yeah, you ever brother's go back? on
3: the farm. I would go back to do the unskilled, easy jobs, but I'm not a farmer. <laughs> but I love going back to the farm.
0: You like
1: driving the tractor.
3: I like driving the tractor and the quad bike, but
1: <laughs> go back for harvest and take the credit. <laughs> don't <you>? yeah, yeah. <laughs> um Who's the most famous person in your address book?
0: Camilla, now isn't it? Look, <laughs> <Yeah. right? laughs>
3: Probably like some of the rugby lots. Brian Habana. I'm not going to say Hugo because I don't want to give it him. But oh, don't no,
1: Ugo, <laughs> please. Don't gives say Hugo gives his number out to everyone, trust me. And Brian
2: Habana loves a gift. GIF? Yeah, he loves a gift. Doesn't GIF. he love yeah. a gift? Like, don't, I don't get messages, <laughs> take, I just get gifts. Sh- take this
1: offline. Take this <laughs> no, offline. Yeah, no,
2: but, like, <laughs> they're all clean gifts, obviously. <laughs> but he doesn't answer. He who just sends a gift <laughs> as an answer.
1: Who would play a film? They were casting uh, a film about you. Who would you see playing you? Who would you like to play you?
2: For no
3: other reason than she's dark haired and I like the film she's in, Sandra Bullock. Nice, I can see that. Yeah.
1: Strong. Um, who's the funniest person that you know, either in the dressing room? Who's the real joker in the dressing room? Who keeps everyone laughing? Probably
3: Hannah Botteman. She's really, really good value. Excellent. Yeah.
1: And if you have to get up and uh, entertain everyone with a little song, <laughs> Sa- Sarah loves Do you. You promise? A Sarah I loves, loves the karaoke. I she love loves the karaoke. <laughs> Sorry, was that, a, was that a Welsh accent? I don't know what it was, okay, but I do right. love a
2: karaoke.
3: <laughs>
1: you do love a sing-song, as we I all do. do. What, uh, what would you sing?
3: So I reckon I'd go back to like... Some of the boy band stuff, so like Five, Westlife.
2: Same. Yeah, <laughs> We need to go to that place in Soho, <laughs> what's it, it called? I went Tucky to see Westlife not long ago. Were they good? So good, yeah. never is. seen Westlife so live.
1: Well, it's funny you say that, cue the music.
2: Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah let's get up off
1: the of <laughs> Uh Right, now the sensible questions. Uh, who is the best rugby player of all time? Who's the person that you just saw? Wow.
3: It's probably not the traditional answer, but growing up, I loved watching Jordan Murphy play he had way more about him than the Caps ever suggested or the honours ever suggested. And I just loved watching the way he went about what he did.
1: Brilliant. Couldn't agree more. Your most memorable rugby moment, Sarr, has listed all of your accolades and your achievements. So there's quite a bit to delve into there. But what would you say, out of all of those, was the best rugby moment that you've had?
3: Probably lifting the World Cup in 2014. It's the obvious one, isn't it? But... um Yeah,
2: that was a high to go out with. Okay, thanks, Emily. Right, time for our audience questions. Has anybody got a question?
0: Hi, my name's Hugh David Evans, so you can probably guess the questions about Wales. There's a lot of things that need fixing at the moment, but if you could only pick two, what would they be?
1: Well, I mean, they could do with finding a pot of gold, couldn't they, really? I mean, uh, I think the challenge for Wales, and I don't really know exactly what's going on there, but is if it becomes too elitist, like ECB cricket contracts, if you're offering a a young, talented fly-half or centre or whatever they are, £30,000, and he's he's offered, I don't know, a lot more elsewhere, they're going to lose a lot of players, they're going to lose a lot of their talent. So they're going to have to rethink the model a little bit, I think, because already I'm hearing that there are premiership clubs and... Other clubs circling around a lot of the very most talented players in Wales, so and,
2: and some of the young ones as well, I, yeah. you know, the ones that haven't got to yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, so the, yeah. the next
1: generation. So I but do think that there's there will be a mass exodus, you know, because the game is in financial. I wouldn't say turmoil, but it's in a, it's in a difficult place. So every union has got to think differently. Steve Borthwick has already said to the RFU, you know, the financial situation in England has changed. I need to be able to pick players that are playing in France or in Japan or anywhere. To be honest with you, so everyone has to think differently because the landscape of rugby has changed. How
0: Controversial, but and particularly for people in Wales, but too too many professional teams, four down to two. But which two would go? And then would all you all the best
2: putting that to the regions? But and then would
0: you but. have one in Southwest London as well, a, a Welsh province in Ealing, which was the most bizarre story of the week?
1: Well, yeah. they had London Welsh at one time, didn't they? Really, so it's not the most bizarre story. I mean, it's you know London Irish. Could, if the ROU really what were serious about, you know, they could they could buy London Irish and they could put all of their. Leinster development players who aren't playing, you know, week in week out into London Irish. I mean, why not?
2: Yeah, I just think the situation is going to get a lot worse probably before it gets better. Unfortunately for Welsh rugby, <laughs> doom and gloom. Uh, anyone else?
1: Hi, it's uh, Chris Lennon.
0: With the Netflix documentary for the Six Nations and given what it's done for Formula One and for golf, I just wonder what your thoughts were on it because from what we've read in the press, is it
1: doesn't seem to be particularly well welcomed by the players and they don't seem to be sort of running towards it. It's like anything with players. If things are going well, you love it, don't you?
0: really well scars and the red roses you did one bef- with itv didn't you before yeah that's well, go. so that experience
3: i think it's a journey like when when they first came in there's cameras all over the place everyone's being mic'd up you feel a bit basically spied on that's the point though right but it's it's quite uncomfortable you know i've never met these four cameramen i've never met the producer I'm, i don't know who anybody is etc so there's an element where you have to build up trust with these people understand perhaps what it is that they're trying to achieve but also we're trying to continue to grow our game so we have a huge role in that in terms of buying into it. We had occasions where people wearing mics and they tap them frantically as they're having a private conversation with someone because they knew that wouldn't then be audible on the recording because it was something we didn't want to put in but actually once we built up that trust we realized it was really important that those conversations were part of it so you have to have this kind of one the trust but I think you've got to get the players involved from the start not just tell them it's happening consult them on it what are your thoughts on it can we do this can we do that all of that sort of stuff because that's when you get the best stuff out of it a Netflix documentary where I don't know this isn't the example but you're not allowed in the changing rooms, or you're not party to selection discussions, et cetera, They're the ones where you're half arsing it, really. Yeah,
1: yeah. I and mean, I we we did the Living with the Lions, which was one you know goes back to '97, and we kind of almost we didn't we didn't feel that they were in the changing room, but the reality is that we won that series two-one, and it was a, you know, the tightest of series. Now the documentary is legendary because we won the series. Now, you can flip it one way uh, and it all looks good and there's some great footage in there. If we'd have lost the series 2-1, there's a lot of footage that could have come out the other way. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I think when you've got the editorial power over any documentary, you know, there's always going to be highs and lows in a season. I mean, if you're in the Wales camp at the moment, I bet the Welsh are going, absolutely no way. We don't want yeah, I'm not sure
2: they were allowed in. Anywhere
1: the series, near there. But, yeah. So I think you have to be open about it. But also, why are we doing these documentaries to grow the game, to promote the game? So, yes, we want to see people... You know, going through these winning and losing, but we need to portray the game in the right way. So
2: I'd watch it, though. I'm going to watch it. Um, anyone else?
0: Yeah, hi. Uh, my name is Marion. Um, I work here at QBE. I'm originally from uh, Swansea, and I'm a Scarlets fan.
2: Yay.
0: I was going to ask about Nigel Owens, and you know the. Uh, potential joining the Springboks. do you you think there's going to be more recruitment of international referees into coaching teams going forward
1: yeah i mean you know they they probably need to give razi erasmus a social media manager that would probably be another appointment that he needs (laughs) just i mean that might go out and you know world rugby have punished him for criticizing the referee so maybe this is their way of going actually we're trying to put a house in order here we're trying to bring you know one of the best most respected referees in the world Ahead of the World Cup, because having done that, he knows that every and, and the death threats that Wayne Barnes received and his family were disgraceful, by the way. So therefore, how do you and this is me being slightly cynical, how do you reverse that? You can't apologise. You can't can apologise, but you can't reverse what you've done because by criticising Wayne Barnes, the best referee in the world, what he's immediately done is made every single referee <laughs> look at South Africa very differently. So they're going into the World Cup as champions and I can guarantee if it's a 50-50 decision, it's going to go against South Africa.
3: I think referees and coaching setups are going to be really important moving forward. Like, we don't have one in our setup, but we have uh, Sarah Cox who comes in, referees some of our like live stuff, and then disappears again. And actually, her insight as to what they've been talking about at a weekend, the nuance at a breakdown. Actually, uh, in our own 22, we're not going to get a penalty for that, but in their 22, we might get a penalty for that. So you can just understand things so that one, your hotheads aren't chirpsing away the whole time and pissing them off, but two, you actually can start to manage a game a bit better as well.
0: well Wayne Barnes has been in helping England with scrummaging and they've said it's made a big difference in terms of the way they're playing yes. so you listen to the experts don't you
2: I like them as pundits though as well like yeah, we, I do we as well ba- we, we had Wayne Barnes
1: well. uh, with us uh, for an evening uh, in the England dressing room the other day and he's, he's funny <laughs> <laughs> he's very funny he's
2: a bright man isn't he he <laughs> is bright a bright man, man. Next question.
1: Uh, Hi there, Chris Stillman. Um, I coach
0: youth rugby. One of the biggest challenges we have faced is encouraging girls to play the game and keeping them in the game i just wondered emily if you had any thoughts about what could be done to uh, encourage more girls to try rugby and hopefully keep them in the game
3: yeah it's a tough one i think what we touched on earlier in terms of trying to get it into schools i think is really important i used to do a bit of work just after i left university where i went into schools and just did like little taster sessions and things and there's not many girls that turn around and go miss i hated that a lot of them are really energised by it. And look, we were playing tag or touch or a version of something, but there's not many that once they've tried it, they don't like it. And most of them were like, are we doing, can we do contact? Are we doing contact? And they were actually asking for that. Um, so I think that's huge in terms of just giving girls the opportunity to try it. But obviously that's not changed overnight. I think... You know, us as Red Roses, if we continue to try and be visible and accessible and actually show that that young girl, perhaps who's the only girl in her team, that these are the role models, this is what I went through. I was the only girl in my team. I was a bit stubborn, therefore didn't give up like some of you know the other girls perhaps did along the way. But, yeah, we just kind of keep driving the message. Can
1: I I just say that the participation numbers in rugby across the board, you know, girls' and women's rugby is actually going, going in that direction, whereas men's rugby for whatever reason, is going the opposite way. So whatever we're doing, we are doing quite well. Uh, and we just need to continue to invest in that because you know more girls are actually t- playing rugby.
2: Yeah, you're right what you're saying, but I still don't think there are enough clubs with women's teams, right? Definitely. And just, I guess, the
3: ease of them being in that club as well, other female dressing rooms, things like that. Because it's such an easy put-off for a young girl who goes to a club, all the boys disappear somewhere and she's got nowhere to to go or to be and then immediately you're isolated immediately that's not a nice experience and inevitably you probably don't want to go back again so there's some really easy wins that can be made at, at clubs like that okay um
2: next question
0: hi will ponty i recently hung my boots up because of a concussion uh, i'm 24 do you think the game's going soft with the
1: new tackle rule?
2: I love the way you just said your name, Will. I'm just still thinking about, hi, Will Ponty.
1: <laughs> just that's, missed,
2: all, that's all I'm thinking about. Just missed, laud- just missed
1: your laundry number off the end of it, actually. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, that's a great question. Lawrence?
1: Game uh, okay, gone soft. Yeah, um, listen, it's, it's a very serious subject, concussion. Um, the, the protocols that existed, that exist now, didn't exist when we were playing. You know, it's about education with head injuries you know we didn't when we were playing I didn't realize that there were some serious issues even though I used to come off the field thinking that is not good for me what's just happened there in that 80 minutes but yes education is the key i do think lowering the tackle height is is working i think we're seeing a lot more of that just good technique hopefully we'll get there but we have to realize that formula 1 is a quite a dangerous sport boxing is quite a dangerous sport equestrian is quite a dangerous sport we live in a in a sport that is you know it's it's physical there's a lot of contact Uh, But it is different at professional level than it is at amateur level, I genuinely believe. So uh, I think we're getting there.
2: We'll finish on that, I think. Thank you. That's it from us now. Massive thanks to everyone here at QBE Business Insurance for partnering with us on this episode. Thanks, guys.
1: And a big thank you to you, Sarah. We hope to see you uh, back on the pod again soon. Thank you to Steve from the Evening Standard. And, of course, our special guest. The brilliant Emily Scarrett. Emily, we hope to see you back on the field, not just coaching, but actually playing. (laughs) Thank you. This podcast will return next Tuesday when we chat through the weekend's results and see how well we did with our predictions. Until then, thanks for listening and goodbye. The Evening Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio. Six Nations Special. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European Linen,